Welcome to the Ministry Mindset Podcast. The Ministry Mindset Podcast is designed to help people discover their God-given purpose and to learn to put that purpose into action. Well, welcome back to the Ministry Mindset. So glad to have you all here today. Joining us today, once again, we have Jake Meadows. Hello. And Tony Smith. Hey, how is everybody? Doing great, Tony. Glad you're here. (laughs) Good to be here. So last, just to catch everybody up of where we've been in the Ministry Mindset podcast so far, we've talked about the Kazone experience. We talked about what it means to find your purpose. And we talked a little bit about the personality test and why understanding your personality is so important in helping really understand how to kind of put that purpose into action and understanding kind of the way we relate to other people. We also talked about the spiritual wellness wheel a little bit. We talked about spiritual gifts the last time we were on here and the important role that spiritual gifts play in understanding how God has gifted us to be able to put our purpose into action. And this week, we're going to talk about strengths. We're going to visit a concept that's really valuable for folks that are trying to discover how to put their purpose into action and the idea of how we can identify and understand what our strengths are and then leverage them to be able to help us to more effectively be able to put our purpose into action. You know, many people think when they, when I bring up the word strengths and you ask somebody, and many of you may have had a job interview at some point in time where you go in and you're sitting down interviewing for the job and the person interviewing will say, well, what do you feel like your biggest strengths and weaknesses are? Really, what's interesting, I find a lot of folks that ask that question, they, what they're really looking for is to see if you have any self-awareness about your weaknesses. That's often what happens. And one thing that I have found, and is really common amongst most people when they talk about the things that you're strong at or the thing you're weak at, is most people spend a majority of their lives trying to improve their weaknesses. Uh, there's always a subject in school, right, where you struggle. You know, I've got one one kid, one of my boys was really good at math, but not good at English at all. And then my older son was not great at math at all, but could understand and write the written word and, and kind of navigate his way around, around adjectives and pronouns and those kind of things in English class. And so what often happens when you go into that parent-teacher conference and they're sitting there and talking, they really want the parent to kind of really focus on remediating that child in those areas, those subject areas that they're not very strong in. And we do that a lot, but there's some interesting statistics that go along with this idea of, of strengths and weaknesses specifically related to remediating weaknesses. Studies show that a person who works diligently on trying to bring up an area where they're really weak will make some progress over time, but typically they will only see between 10 and 18% improvement over time in those areas that they're weak. You know, that kid that is not good at math will get better, but they're never going to make an A in that subject. And oftentimes what that does is it ends up negatively impacting that kid, right? Later on when they look at those things that they just can't do, or they just can't get better at. And oftentimes we have those very similar things in our lives, not just subjects in school. So I want to ask each one of you, um, when you all were growing up, what was, what was your greatest weakness? Why don't you start, Tony? My hardest 
subject was math. Was it? Oh, my God. Ugh. I hated that. I'm not sure to be hit in the back of the head with a two-by-four and have to go <laughs> through math. I struggled with it. But uh, concerning, like, in the arts, you know, reading and writing, it was I did really good. So math was mine. What about you, Jake? My whole struggle was school in general. I was never good at any subjects in school. I enjoyed doing woodworking class, and we had uh, auto shop, stuff like that. Stuff that I was working with my hands and physically doing something rather than mentally trying to solve problems or write grammar or anything like that. Never my strong point at all in school. But I, I would go out and work in the wood shop or I would work outside of school from a very young age because that's what I'm good at. I'm good at working. So keeping that in mind, right, thinking about that, with school being something that was something you struggled with growing up, how did that impact your adult life when it came to school? Did you go to college? No, I did not. I, I went straight to the workforce and I made a living in the workforce instead of going to school. Have you ever thought about going back to school? Thought about it, yeah, but it terrifies me as, as an older guy now trying to go back to school. It's terrifying because I had trouble with it then and it's been 25 years since I've been in school. What's it going to be like now? It's <laughs> <Right>. terrified. <laughs> right. So clearly it was a weakness then. So the automatic thought is and belief is this definitely going to be a weakness now. Yes, absolutely. What about you, Tony? When I got out of the Navy, I went to uh, trade school. And I had to get my GED first to be able to go through the courses there. So I took my GED and I actually did really good in every single subject. So I think it was a matter of me getting a better perspective of who I was. And so I began to excel in, in all the different classes that I took. So wow. it was pretty amazing. That's cool. That's great. What was what was one of the ways that each of you during that time, what did you do to try to improve on that weakness? What did you do while you were in school just to get through? Generally, I would go to summer school to try to improve my grades so that I could graduate. I didn't really study any harder because, again, studying wasn't my thing because I wasn't any good at it anyway, so why even bother? Um, it was really more challenging just for me to finish school than anything. I wasn't really trying to get better at any subject. I just wanted to get through it. All right. So you just wanted to get out, mm -hmm. right? Get out and get to work. And you kind of alluded, Tony, I mean, you realized when you got a better idea of who you were that you realized that some of those things weren't really that hard. True. Yeah. I think w what happens is uh, you begin to realize your potential that you really have. Yeah. It's really a mindset, if I can use that word. Right. That, that's it. That is so true. And then when somebody, you know, when we bring attention to the things that we don't do well and we're pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded on to improve, to improve, to work at it, to work at it, to work at it, the amount of energy that we spend trying to improve on something where we're weak is incredible. And if you go back to those statistics that I talked about earlier, if the reality is we only improve anywhere from 10 to 18% in those areas where we are naturally weak, that's those, that's not very good. I mean, those odds aren't great, right? Those percentages are not something to write home about. And that's really 
the basis for a strengths-based mentality. When we think about, well, what, you know, not what am I bad at? What am I weak at? What needs improvement? But what am I good at? What gives me energy? What, where do I really, really shine? And what ends up happening a lot of times when we spend time trying to improve those things that we just aren't very good at, we do get a little bit better, but we end up getting really worn out. Mm -hmm. It just completely drains all of our energy. It's not energizing. It's not fun. And oftentimes, like I said before, it doesn't result in a, in a huge improvement. Consequently, when we focus and spend time in those areas where our strengths are, we end up becoming energized and motivated and driven. And the performance that we produce is it, it, it grows exponentially over time. So that's, that's why we spend time in the ministry mindset, really looking at strengths as another component that has an impact on how we will perform when we're putting our purpose into action. So we use a book called the strengths finder 2.0, which is a Gallup product. And it was a process invented by Don Clifton. There's an assessment that goes along with the book and there are 34 unique strengths that the book talks about that everybody, you know, well, has, and there's different ratings for what rise to the top and what's more important in, in individuals' lives. And the assessment that we use, the strengths finder 2.0 actually reveals the top five of those 34 strengths that each individual possesses and really kind of explains the areas where they're strong. The questions are much like a personality test. It goes through and asks questions related to what gives you energy, what, what you're competent is, where you're more comfortable, uh, where you tend to shine, you know, in different situations and settings based on those questions. I'm going to talk a little bit about those 34 strengths and how they're broken up. And then each of us are going to share what our strengths are and talk a little bit about what we've learned about who we are and how we apply that in our everyday life. And of course, according to the topic of the day, how we apply that and how we serve others in ministry. So out of the 34 strengths, there's four different domains that these strengths fall into. The first is um, strengths that are executing. The second are influencing strengths. The third are relationship building strengths. And the fourth are strategic thinking strengths. And just really quickly, I'll go through this list of 34 strengths. The, the first one is achiever. Uh, someone who's really driven to achieve uh, a ranger, someone who is motivated and really geared towards arranging the world around them belief, a uh, really strong, deep sense of belief and investment in what they do. Consistency is another one. Uh, somebody who's really driven towards being consistent and deliberate, which deliberative is the, the next one after that discipline, focus, responsibility, and restorative. Those are the first in the group of executing strengths. Then in the influencing group, we have activator, somebody who has the ability to engage and activate people around them, command, someone who's able to lead communication, someone who's able to divide information in a way that people fully understand. Competition is another one. Maximizer, someone who's able to really get the world around them to develop synergy. The next one is self-assurance, which is a form of confidence. 
uh, significance. Uh, everything has to have value. And then woo, winning others over, the ability to win others over. That's what woo stands for. The third group, uh, the relationship building strengths. Uh, we have adaptability, connectedness, developer, empathy, harmony, includer, individualization, positivity, and relator. Those are all very self-explanatory. And then the strategic thinking strengths include um, analytical, context, you know, the ability to be able to put the world around them in context, futuristic, that's more of the visionary, ideation, the ability to invent and to think and to dream, input, intellection, learner, and then of course, strategic. Now, for most people, when they take this test and they go through this process of discovering their strengths, it is common to see an interesting breakdown of some of the domains. So very rarely, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that I've given this assessment to or coached through the strengths process. I've never found anybody who all their top five was in one domain. But sometimes you find people who have a dominant domain or, you know, maybe be in two specific domains. And then there's others who are spread across domains. And a lot of it just depends on who you are, your personality, you know, how you, how you kind of gone through life, how you've developed over time. And so it's, it's really interesting when you think about how these strengths work together to really help you to be able to focus on who you are and, and where you're going to become. So we're going to take a look at, at all three of our individual top five and talk a little bit about kind of how that, how that looks. Okay. So Tony, what, what are your top five? Let's see. The first one is intellection, empathy, correctness, developer, and input. Okay. Intellection, empathy, connectedness, developer, and input. So that's interesting. Uh, Tony, you're in two domains. Uh, two of your strengths are in the strategic domain and one and the other three are in the relationship domain. And, and this is interesting because, you know, these strengths align with your personality type. That's true. They also align with your spiritual gifts. So intellection, not surprising for Tony to be in election. You're a word of knowledge. We talked about this last week. Uh, you're a word of knowledge person and somebody who really thinks intellectually about everything you do. Very intentional. You like the, the depth that goes along with explaining why something is the way it is, right? Yeah, what, what kind of pizza do I want today? <laughs> <laughs> right. For some of us that say, oh, I'm going to get what I always get. And Tony's like, no, let's, let's analyze this a little bit. Yeah, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. And then, and then another one in the strategic is input, being very thoughtful about the contribution that you make to a project or an idea, this aligns often with strategic thinking is the way you input. But what is significant here is that three of your top five are in the relationship building category. So empathy, connectedness, and developer. So Tony, you're very empathetic, right? And that yeah. aligns with your personality type as a sure counselor, does. right? Uh, connectedness is important. People getting along how people are connected deeply with each other and then developer, which is not surprising at all because coaching is your calling. You know, we know your personality is geared for that. We know your spiritual gifts are geared for that. And now we see that one of Tony's top five strengths is developer. So someone with the strength of developer is definitely somebody you want to have 
meeting with other people, helping them to find their purpose, their direction to sort out their problems. I mean, that that's powerful, right? To know that that's there. When you have a strength in that area, it's something that really energizes you. Developer is not one of mine, even though I'm a coach. But the way that I coach is very different than the way you coach. True. Right? You can sit there for weeks and listen to somebody talk about the same problem over and over again. After the second time, I'm like ready to kick them in the butt and say, okay, what are we going to do about this? Right? Because <laughs> I've got true. a different set do of something. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake, what are yours? Uh, harmony, adaptability, relator, restorative, and responsibility. Okay, so Before we dig into these, though, can I ask you, are, is this similar to the personality in which the, some of these can be actually learned behaviors and learned strengths, not just something that's natural? Yeah, so what's, what's significant about the strengths, your personality really is, is going to be more static over time. Strengths, however, so we're just looking at the top five. When, when you do a full Gallup uh, strengths review and go through their whole process, they will show you where you rank on all 34. Oh, good. Okay. Oftentimes what happens though, is that your top five could change depending on your job mm -hmm. or where you're spending most of your time. But what stays pretty static are, you know, your top 10. And so <clears throat> when the first time I took the strengths quest, uh, significance was like my number one strength. And I remember when I went through the, the, the assessment and the speaker was talking, we were looking at everybody's strengths and they saw significance. He looked at me and goes, so if, if this doesn't have like important meaning for you, you're out. Right. And everybody laughed. And I remember I felt really bad about that. I'm like, oh my gosh. So you're telling me now my number one strength is that everything has to matter. It has to be important. And, and that is true for me. It is true. But right now, my, my number one strength is strategic. The last time I took it, I said, so explain to me why significance isn't on the list anymore. He says, well, let's look at your profile. And when we looked at the profile, significance is actually number six right now. So it's still, it's still one of my strengths, but I, I'm currently in a profession and I'm doing things where I am driven by significance, but I'm not like obsessed by it. At the time when I took it the first time, the job I was working, I was very unhappy with the fact that half of the, what we were doing was incredibly meaningless. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I answered the questions, that was the most important thing that was lacking at the time. And that's why it was number one at that time, because that's what I was doing. So to answer your question, these do change, but, but we have to look at it in terms of really what, you know, kind of what your top 10 are. So let's, let's, let's think about yours for a minute. So. I'm going to pick on the first two in the, the domain of executing responsibility and restorative. So responsibility is a really common strength that we see probably in most groups when we do this, you know, we'll see this in 40%. People that have the strength of responsibility, and it's also one of mine, are really driven by responsible behavior. Mm -hmm. And it is something so important to them that if they have a responsibility or something that they're responsible for, that will always take over whatever's going on around them. So my wife and I both have this strength. We're flight number three. And when we get up in the morning, before we'll do anything else, laundry gets done first, bed gets made. If we got a, if there's a phone call coming in and we see who it's coming from and I'm in the middle of the laundry, 
or my wife is, the laundry will be done before we return the phone call, unless it's somebody where there may be an emergency. And then of course, the need for answering that phone call becomes the more responsible behavior at that moment that we have to do. And people with the strength of responsibility are oftentimes teased because they take their responsibility very, very seriously. Yeah, it's also a downside too, because if you have that as such a high strength and you expect that from people who don't have That's it, exactly right. you're going to get let down. All the time. All the time. When we think and realize it's like not everybody has the strength, we have to remember not to project our expectations on other people just because we have that. Just like our personality right. type, right? Not every, not every introvert. If you're an extrovert, you can't expect everybody else to cater to your extroversion if they're not extroverted. <laughs> so uh, restorative. This is really good, too, because this is... This is a strength, particularly in a group of people where it's important that, you know, nobody gets left behind or left out. And if there's, if there's brokenness, if there's conflict, you know, and when you pair this with the responsibility, uh, if you're leading a group there, if somebody, if somebody says something, if somebody gets hurt, somebody's struggling, it, it becomes imperative that you help to restore what that relationship, uh, restore that um, inappropriate thinking, restore that behavior that's not moving the way that it should be. And you do it in a way that that's upbuilding, but it's, it's an ex, it's an executing strength. It's something that, you know, results in action. And then the other three of yours were in the relationship building, harmony, adaptability, and relator. And it's not uncommon once again, to see restorative and harmony together because someone who is driven by making sure that People and situations are restored to their natural place. Harmony is tied to that because if there's disharmony in the group, then restoration is needed to fix that. Absolutely. Right. Jake just said, absolutely. Because that's how you, that's how you roll. Well, what's better than having harmony amongst people? I mean, it's the most <laughs> wonderful thing there is. That's right. But I know some folks who don't have that in their top 10 and they actually enjoy when there's disharmony because it re it results in some type of other outcome. Yeah. Maybe their one of their strengths is dealing with conflict or something. Right. And that's why they like, or competition. Yes. Or competition. Most people that have the strength of competition do not have the strength of harmony in their top 10 because that com that competitive environment usually results in some type of outcome. Mm -hmm. The football coach does not have harmony in their top five strengths. Competition is usually two or three. And because when there's harmony, nobody's going to win the game. Right. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a trophy. Again, the coach's mind. In in our mind, in our environment here, uh, we need people to get along. And so that's an incredible strength. And then adaptability and relator, the ability to relate with other people and then to be totally adaptable, really being in a place where you can, if someone asks you to do something, whether you can do it or not, you'll do it anyway because they asked you to do it. And when we pair that with the responsibility, uh, you can be easily manipulated by a strategic leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably happened a time or two. Yeah. Can, can you explain the difference between someone who is a relator such as myself and somebody who is, uh, who has empathy as a strength like Tony? So a relator definitely cares about how other people are interacting and working together as a team. Someone who's a relator will go out of their way to help make sure that people are working together, which is very similar to harmony, right? And mm -hmm. they also, 
I would I would be very surprised if in your top 10 communication was also in that list because people that are relators oftentimes have the strength of communication as well because when you're tr- when you're relating with other people and and bringing them into the fold communication is oftentimes associated with that to be able to help to explain or to educate somebody on what it is you're trying to bring them into. Okay. So my top five, um, strategic is number one. Responsibility is number two. Communication is number three. Connectedness is number four and individualization is number five. And so I've got a blue, uh, you guys can't see the colors. I've got a, um, an executing strength an influencing strength, a strategic thinking strength, and then two, relationship building strengths and uh, responsibilities number two. So I also struggle with that and have a really high expectation for others. And because strategic is number one, the work that I do now really requires me to, to activate that strength to constantly be looking down, trying to understand how to, you know, I, I run the training department for the city. And so we're constantly creating new ways of helping people get the, you know, get better at their job, helping people position where they need to be working within a very strange and challenging public service entity where there's never enough money and there's always way too many demands. Um, so thinking strategically is something that I really have to do a lot. And of course, communication is helpful as a teacher and a trainer that communications in my top five. Um, and then like Tony connectedness is also there. That's really, really important for me that people understand and connect and can relate to what we're trying to communicate. And then individualization really is the ability to recognize and help somebody to individualize and understand their, their role, their place and their identity. And it's not being an individual, but it has to do with helping people to recognize their, their individual value in, in an environment. So what are some of your thoughts, Tony, about your strengths and how they play out with your personality and your spiritual gifts? I can, I can see it and understand it perfectly because as I develop uh, my different parts of my personality, which one of them is being introverted. I have the ability to relate to these other uh, things such as empathy and developer. It gives me a really unique look at what actually is happening in my life. I'm really really excited about this part simply because it gives me another layer of my personality that I can see and see that there's strengths and actually build on them. So that that's what I really see in, if you will, uh, working on. Nice. How about you, Jake? Um, I see absolutely adaptability as a absolute strength of mine. Uh, it's something that I rely on a lot, both in my personal life and in my, uh, my professional life too. And uh, all of these I have seen shape sort of the person that I've become because ultimately I think of harmony as my relationship with Jesus. And there's, there's so much peace and harmony in having that relationship that absolutely I want to, I want everybody to have it right, but not everybody picks up that opportunity to have that relationship. And so I have a huge, uh, 
responsibility feeling in that sharing that relationship with other people to show them like this is this is what harmony feels like and it's amazing uh i i think all of these are perfect and they perfectly line with uh the way i live out my everyday life and this is why we do in the in the progress of all of the evaluations and the assessments that we do when we're helping someone develop their their identity their minute their ministry identity if you will as part of their ministry mindset we do this one last um, because once once you kind of understand your spiritual gifts and you you've seen your, you've developed a Kazone statement and we look at our personality and then we actually look at okay well what are the areas where you really where you're strong what are the areas where you are energized when you operate in that in those domains when you you know when you behave and do those things that really is valuable for us to make sure when we're getting ready to move on to the next phase, which is helping somebody to start developing their canvas and kind of create some ideas for what problems they want to solve and, and what they want to do and how they want to serve is making sure we help them understand how they can serve in the areas where they're energized, where their strengths are and where they're motivated and driven. Right. It's, it's not uncommon for individuals to be put in a position of leadership or to be in somewhere where they've got to behave a certain way. And, and all of us have talked about this. All of us in here are capable of being, of doing whatever we're asked to do, but there's going to be some things that we're asked to do where we really get excited and motivated and driven. And then there's going to be other things where we just, we're like, man, do I have to do this today? Do I really, do I have to do this today? And, and it's not just our personality at work. It's not just the introversion or the extroversion. I mean, some people just do not get excited about looking at spreadsheets. Some people do not get excited or motivated about thinking, how do I figure out how to organize all the roles on this team? Then there's other people that that's all they want to do. Or some people are not really excited about having to explain to a group of people the details on how to do this and then inspire them and gather them and maximize them into action. I know a few people that have no yellow on their list and, uh, you know, they have responsibility, maximizer competition, and they're really great at getting stuff done, really great at leading people to get stuff done. But because they have no yellow in their strengths list, they literally mow over people in the process. You know, they'll get stuff done and they'll hit all those boxes and hit all those marks, but they leave a wake of a bunch of dead bodies in their <laughs> getting it done. And when we don't know why somebody behaves that way, we often think, well, gosh, they're a jerk. Yeah. Or they're rude or, you know, they, they're insensitive. And in reality, they're not insensitive at all. They just do not operate in those areas. You know, they, those people can be sensitive when they have to be. But it's not something that's a natural strength for them. That's the one thing they don't like to do, you know? Right. Like, I don't know. Can I name drop a, another podcast? Sure. So the other day I was listening to the Craig Rochelle podcast and he had Patrick Lencioni on. Yes, I know. It was a great podcast. Yeah, it was. And, and this guy, Patrick Lencioni, I mean, he's the face and the head of a massive corporation that hmm. teaches people how to lead their businesses. And this guy has people do things because he just straight up does not get energy from doing it. And this is, 
this is somebody that leads people for a living and even he has things that well right he doesn't get energy by doing and that's okay that's what's great about knowing what these strengths are right mm -hmm. is that we can tie in to people who have the strengths that we don't to make the whatever it is that we're doing just that much better that's right yeah. and when we build a team or we we think about people to work with and and how we're going to get something accomplished we have to know where we get energy and what things drain us and bog us down. Because the last thing we want anybody to do is say, Hey, I got an idea. I think we should do X, Y, Z, but if they don't possess the strengths to be able to lead and, and, and to be functioning happily in doing that, then we really should think about whether or not that that's the idea that they should be pushing. Right. There's a lot of good ideas out there. There's a lot of great things to do. But not everybody needs to be standing up in front of a group of people talking. Not everybody needs to be the one who's spending hours and hours and hours and hours counseling somebody through a problem. And when we know that, we can help people really make better choices up front early on before they jump out there and dive <laughs> headfirst in the mm -hmm. deep end of a pool. Into right? catastrophe. Right. Part of the ministry mindset in helping people put their purpose into action is to do everything that we can to help a person understand everything about themselves, everything that God has done, and then to best find the right place to align their passion with their purpose, and then to help them to become successful and actually perform, right? Passion, purpose, and performance, all three of those work together. And when we know who we are, success becomes a whole lot easier to achieve. You know, what is success in ministry? You know, is it different than being successful in business? Success is really about accomplishing whatever the outcome is, right? It's not about winning all the time. Sometimes winning is not the outcome. So when we understand what desired outcome we have, and we understand all the components that need to go into it, and we understand how to align our purpose and our passion in that performance for that outcome, that's where success is experienced. And what better than to do that and also be energized, be happy, be motivated, and to want to get up the next day and do it all over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So many times, I can't, I can't tell you how many volunteers and people that have served in ministry, they get started, they get involved in something, and then they dread being a part of it. If getting up on Sunday morning and getting to church so that you can work in the children's ministry doesn't excite you or doesn't motivate you so that you want to be there, then you shouldn't be in the children's ministry, right? That's just one example. We want people to be in the right place at the right time doing all the right things. And when we understand how all these components work together, we can better improve our ability to do that. So any other thoughts before we wrap up? I just like to encourage everybody to get your book, and read it and really ask God what he would have them do. Because uh, I talked to uh, uh, one of our brothers that goes to our church, and he said, this ministry, the ministry mindset, is the most thorough program that I've seen put together that can fully develop a person into that ministry that God's called them. I couldn't have said it better. I, you need to really get this book, uh, understand exactly what this is, and then be
become a part of it. Uh, both men and women can really begin to see what God wants to do in their life for them. That's great. And that book, just real quick, The Ministry Mindset, it's available on Amazon and print and digital, and you can get yourself a copy right now, Amazon.com. Also, those details are in the podcast uh, details. You can see where to go to get that. Uh, Jake, any thoughts? Kind of touch on what I spoke about earlier is how we can use know, knowing what our strengths and our, uh, are and being able to exercise those strengths to become stronger in those areas that we're naturally gifted at can only make not only us better, but the, the people we serve as well. It's going to enhance them as well because they're getting more of what we're already good at. Um, and being able to recognize we can't be good at everything, but we have to surround ourselves with people who are good at things that we're not. So that way there's always an outlet for somebody to go to. And that's the beauty about knowing this stuff and tying this in with our personalities and um, putting it into work into what God has called us to do and, and created us for. It only helps to narrow down what exactly God wants us to do on this by giving us all of these tools to understand our purpose and our, our DNA in itself and knowing that God has all of this created for a purpose. And we're going to figure out what it is through this ministry mindset. That's Amen. Right. That's great. You know, we are helping other people to find their purpose and put that purpose into action. And if you're interested and would like to know more, would like to find out your personality, would like to find out your cazone, we would be glad to connect you with those resources and, and get you started in this process. And stay tuned because coming up really soon, we're going to be talking about the ministry canvas, which is actually the process. Once we've gone through all this, we start really talking about how do you develop an idea and flush it out using an entrepreneurial approach to be able to test the idea to find how to make all this stuff actually serve and help somebody else in ministry. And if we can do it, if we do it right the first time, it saves a lot of emotional headaches and really makes a big impact in, in the world as we know it. So, well, thank you both for being here. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, please stay tuned. We're going to be talking about the spiritual wellness wheel coming up soon. And until then, have a great day. I'll see you all later. Good night.